Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. It's Tuesday, May 16th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. The federal coronavirus public health emergency has expired after three years, but the virus is not gone. It doesn't mean we're out of the woods that the risk is down to zero. Uh, That's not true. In just a few minutes, St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Fenton talks with the director of St. Louis University's Center for Health Law Studies about the end of the emergency. A St. Louis man in prison for more than three decades for a murder a judge says he did not commit is receiving another chance at freedom. St. Louis Public Radio's Rachel Lippman reports. A jury convicted Christopher Dunn of murder in 1991 based entirely on the testimony of two adolescent boys. They both recanted, and a judge wrote in 2020 that he did not believe a jury would convict without them. But due to multiple previous Supreme Court rulings, Dunn did not go free. On Friday, Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner filed a petition to vacate Dunn's conviction. It's the same process that freed Lamar Johnson. Dunn's previous attorney, Kent Gibson, called it a needed bolt from the blue. I had a call with him Friday, and he was really down in the dumps. I mean, he was almost ready to give up hope. Gardner is resigning June 1st. It's unclear what will happen to the process after she leaves. I'm Rachel Lippman, St. Louis Public Radio. There are roughly 20 applicants to replace Circuit Attorney Gardner. The Post-Dispatch reports 18 people applied for the position by yesterday's noon deadline. Governor Mike Parson has not released the names of those seeking the job. That list will be narrowed over the next couple of weeks. Then the governor will interview two or three finalists before deciding who should be the next top prosecutor in St. Louis. That person would complete Gardner's term which ends January 1st, 2025. The interim circuit attorney could also run in next year's elections. Even though Gardner is leaving office, Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey is moving ahead with a lawsuit to remove her immediately. A hearing in that case is set for this afternoon. The nation's top infectious disease expert during the pandemic is telling Washington University Medical School graduates to expect the unexpected. Dr. Anthony Fauci delivered the school's commencement address yesterday. He is encouraging graduates to push back against medical disinformation and follow scientific evidence. They should not sit back and accept the normalization of untruths. It's their responsibility to push back on the normalization of untruths and say, no, wait a minute, that's not true. Fauci has been a medical advisor to several presidents. He served for decades as head of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases and stepped down last year. St. Louis Children's Hospital has launched a mobile diabetes clinic to give children throughout the region access to care. It will stop at six North St. Louis County school districts with high obesity and diabetes rates. There are already plans to expand. Tish Jewell is the hospital's vice president of ambulatory and clinical support services. This is just, you know, one of hopefully many solutions to not only improve access, but improve the education and to empower and equip families to be able to navigate their chronic conditions. The mobile unit team will train school nurses on diabetes care technology. Central Visual and Performing Arts High School students have returned to the public stage for the first time since last year's deadly shooting. St. Louis Public Radio's Kate Grumke reports. 
Student dancers started the first set with tambourines in hand, leaping to classical music. But the night showed a huge range, from ballet to tap to a Rihanna-inspired halftime show. Junior Jalen Washington said Monday's performance is an opportunity for students at the school to go through their emotions with the audience. I think this is a new chapter for all of us to keep growing and to keep spreading love and to keep the community growing and to keep showing each other love. We are a family. The show was dedicated to the two people who died in the October shooting, student Alexandria Bell and teacher Jean Kuchka. I'm Kate Grumke, St. Louis Public Radio. The National Coronavirus Emergency Declaration has expired after three years. That does not mean the virus is gone. St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Fenton talks with St. Louis University health law professor Rob Gatter about the end of the emergency. The end of the declaration is not the end of the um, risk associated with COVID. It doesn't mean we're out of the woods that the risk is down to zero. Uh, That's not true. And um, it may never be down to zero, but at some point you cross a a, a sort of a tipping point where it's no longer necessary uh, to feel that you need to be able to issue an order on an emergency basis. In Missouri, we expanded Medicaid during this public health emergency. And so how will the end of the federal public health emergency change how Medicaid patients can access care? Well, first, let me say that that even though Missouri expanded access to Medicaid during the pandemic, it was not as a result of an emergency uh, requirement. It's here and it's here to stay. Um, But one of the things that changes is that during the pandemic, um, the federal government conditioned its substantial share of each state's uh, funding, each state's Medicaid plan that the state Medicaid plan not unenroll anybody who's on the Medicaid plan. That now kicks in. So if someone became a Medicaid recipient as a result of Medicaid expansion during the pandemic, um, or they came onto Medicaid early in the pandemic, they've never had to experience making sure that they stayed enrolled, and now they will. When a lot of people think of a public health emergency and what they were able to do, They think about free testing for COVID. They think about vaccination programs. Will all of a sudden people need to start paying for their tests? Or if they want to get a booster, will they need to pay for that? Uh, The answer, the short answer is you'll probably not be able to get it for for nothing out of your pocket, but you might not have to pay for the full cost either. Um, As a result of the public health emergency declaration, the, the, um, federal government required, whether it's Medicare or Medicaid public health insurance programs or private health insurers, they all had to cover the cost of COVID tests, COVID vaccines and administering them um, without anything coming out of the pocket of the person who's getting the test or the vaccine. When this ends, uh, it goes, it's treated more like any other sort of test or vaccination that you might get. So if your health plan Uh, already was covering various forms of vaccinations at no cost to you, then you might still have that benefit. 
but it's no longer a requirement. And so that begs the question, though, when people don't have insurance or if they have shoddy coverage, does that mean that they'll have to end up paying out of pocket if they want to get vaccinated or get a test? Uh, at least, in yes, the answer is if they literally don't have any insurance coverage uh, whatsoever. Um, there are also some clinics. Some of them are um, privately funded. Some of them are federally funded that also provide some tests and vaccines at low or no cost as a community service. And the more you can remove barriers, the better. Um, and one of those barriers is whether it's they're easy to find and they don't cost anything, tests and vaccines. And so with this ending and, it, uh, and there being a cost associated, we should expect that fewer people will get themselves tested and fewer people will uh, get themselves vaccinated. And that's more likely the more um, impoverished someone is. That is a risk, and that will continue to be a risk. And even though the numbers are lower, we probably will see that differentiation. And I think the telltale sign will come this fall and winter. That was SLU professor Rob Gatter talking with St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Fenton about the end of the coronavirus public health emergency. Our David Casares edited that report. Ashley Listenby is the news director of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.